inspiring and equipping you to live the life you're destined to live. This is the Ascend Men Podcast. Today's guest has sold over a million books in multiple languages and has spoken in front of over a million people across the world. But he started life in very humble surroundings. A son of a cleaner and postman, he lived in a home with no running hot water, no bathroom, an outside toilet with no toilet paper. It was a huge step up to train as a teacher, but then he was attracted into the law profession by a fellow churchgoer. Whilst this career accelerated, he helped lead a growing church on a large deprived housing estate in Wales. Here he recognised most organisations were trying to fix broken families at the bottom of the metaphorical cliff and was inspired to put a fence up at the top. He did this by starting Care for the Family, which, with around 100 staff, continues to proactively support parenting, marriage, relationships and bereavement. Ten years ago, our guest featured in the Queen's New Year's Honours list, being appointed as an officer of the British Empire, an OBE. Married to Diane, he has two adult children, five grandchildren, and is a long-standing leader and member of Glenwood Church, Cardiff. A huge Ascend Men welcome to Rob Parsons. Oh, thanks, Alan. It's lovely to be with you. Absolutely. We always start our podcast interviews with mm. a few quick-fire questions. Okay. I've got three here. So the first one, it's time for a car wash. Is it a drive through a jet wash, a washing-up bowl, or do you leave it to the chauffeur? You know, I, I, I wash my car very infrequently, but when I do, I go through a drive through And the reason I do is I take my grandkids and they absolutely love it. <laughs> you have these horrible brushes coming at you and all this yelling and screaming and they just absolutely love it. They look terrified. So drive through for me. Brilliant. Every time. All right. Yeah. Next one, food related. If you could only eat one dish for the rest of your life. Pasta. Pasta. Yeah, I, I think pasta. Yeah, pasta with with some sauce if possible. But I think uh, I think pasta. I'm a pasta man. Yeah. Excellent. And the third one, what's your biggest fear? Oh, my biggest fear. On, on honestly, my biggest fear I think is that my my kids or my grandkids um, would not find faith and follow faith and and uh, or, or or discard faith. Uh, that 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 I I they they're doing fine. I thank God for them. But but those things matter to me uh, a lot. And that's mm. your legacy. Well, it's not so. Much, you know what? Honestly, it's not so much my legacy. It, yeah, but I want it for them. I want it for them. I I I I've been through some tough times in my own life, and it's a hard life to to walk on your own. Yeah. You know, sometimes people say to me, "Rob, your faith in God is a crutch." And I say, perhaps you're right, but I wasn't meant to make it on my own. I was meant to lean, and and I desperately want that uh, for them. Great. Well, we're privileged to have you with us today, Rob. What's on your heart? Do you know, uh, I, I'm sure that you've got lots of wonderful speakers who share with you great things they've done. So I thought I'd share with you three things that I think I've I've got wrong in my in my life. I'm getting on a bit now, but I look back and and the first was I went through a period of my life where I was just uh, too busy. 
do you know, I, I, you're right. I was from a very poor home and suddenly I've become a lawyer and I, I, I'm a leader in this growing church and, and people asking me to speak uh, sometimes all across the world. And, and that's great. But I think sometimes if we're a bit insecure, we try to prove ourselves. And, and, and what I found myself doing was saying yes to everybody and no to those for whom I had primary responsibility. I remember getting home late at night and Diane had long since given up trying to talk to me. But two small children hadn't. I'd be around the, that dinner table and, and they'd be saying, Dad, I, I'm in the soccer team or Susan pulled my hair. But I'd be on another planet. Mm. Somebody from the legal practice was about to ring me or someone from church about to ring me. And I'd be practically comatose until the telephone rang and then I'd come alive. And suddenly I'd be dispensing my wisdom, my counsel, my strategy. And a little boy and a little girl would be watching me. They weren't stamping or kicking better for me if they had been. And you know what I don't understand about that? Uh, it, it, it's a strange thing. I remember when Katie was a little girl, about four years old, I used to read her a bedtime story. And, and sometimes when I was getting near the end of it, the phone would ring downstairs. We only had a phone downstairs. I'd take the stairs five at a time uh, and I'd take that call. Then after half an hour, I'd remember I'd not finished the bedtime story and I'd rush back upstairs and the light would be on. And the book would be on a pillow by her head. But little eyes had fought to stay awake as long as they possibly could. And what I don't understand about that is this. I've had an interest in life. I've been a senior partner in a 10 office legal practice. I've lectured to thousands of lawyers and governments. I think I've written 20 plus books. All those things involve me having hundreds of business calls. Almost every one of them has been described as urgent. Do you know something, Alan? I can't remember one. Not one that couldn't have waited 10 minutes while I finished a bedtime story. And I regret that. And I remember Diane saying to me one day, darling, I don't think we're going to make it. And so I'm a leader in a church. I'm, I'm busy. People want me to do stuff. And, and I'm just uh, too busy. And I'm grateful to God I learned that lesson while, uh, uh, while, they, were, mm. while they were small. Uh, yeah. Wow. Do you want my second thing? Go on. <laughs> I'll tell you the second thing uh, I think I, I got wrong. And it was it was uh, related, really. And it was this. If you've known a little measure of success, you're under tremendous temptation to take yourself a bit too seriously. Pride is the greatest of all the sins because it's really just about the only one you can commit without realizing you're doing it. Most of the other stuff, you realize you're doing it. But, but pride is devastating. It eats away at you. And I think there have been moments when I was proud. Uh, I wouldn't say arrogant, but, but proud. And again, that led me into wanting to speak at all the big stuff and to do this and do that and, and to have an impressive office as a lawyer. And, and I remember one morning, Diane turned to me and she said, darling, um, I don't think I can cope anymore. And those words ushered in years of darkness for Di and I. Di slipped into a depressive illness uh, that lasted for quite a long time. And, and I, I remember just thinking, where did this all go wrong? And I remember one night in my home, we had a lovely home then, and a, a, a leader from church came around. It was dark. I put the kids to bed. Diane was in bed upstairs. And we knelt in the darkness in my lounge floor and I prayed and I said, Lord, 
I'm a, meant to be a hotshot lawyer. People ring me and they ask me to fix things and, and people want me to speak of things and write books and do stuff, but, but I can't fix this. Hmm. Would you please help me? Do you know, if the coronavirus pandemic taught us anything, Alan, it was this, we don't have control. Hmm. We kid ourselves we do, but we don't. And that was a massive lesson to me. Hmm. And so these days I walk a bit more, I walk a bit more carefully. After my last one is is a bit faster, thank goodness. And and it's this, you know, about, um, well, we'd only been married a couple of years. There's a knock on our door one night. There's a, a guy standing there. Uh, I kind of recognize him, not seen him for a while. He used to go to our church youth group, um, educationally challenged, spent all his life in a care home, and he was homeless. Mm. And he had uh, in his right hand uh, all his worldly possessions in a black plastic bag, and in his left hand a frozen chicken. And he came in, and uh, Diane cooked his chicken, and he stayed with us that night, and he never left. He lived with us for, for 45 years. Wow. And about two years before he died, as he went to bed, I made myself say to him, I love you, Ronnie. It sounded a bit, I love you, Ronnie. And most nights he would grunt back and occasionally I'd get an I love you. And, and in the middle of the pandemic, so he was almost 75 then, he had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And as he went into the ambulance and the ambulance doors closed, I didn't know I would hardly see him again before he died because of inability to visit in hospital. And I shouted, I love you, Ronnie. And he shouted back at me, I love you, Rob. We were with him as he died. I was holding him in my arms and Diane was singing to him, Jesus loves me, this I know. I just wish I'd done that 45 years, 40 odd years ago. Mm -hmm. I I wish I'd done it earlier. I wish I'd told people that mattered to me Mm -hmm. more. I love you. I love you. You know, the world's not going to fall in if you tell one of your mates just once in a while, Jack, I, I really, you really matter. I, I love you, mate. Are you, yeah, that's not, I wish I hadn't been so sniffy about emotion. Hmm. So there we go. There's a few mistakes I've made, some lessons I wish I'd learned. So, uh, so making earlier. time, pride. Making time, taking yourself too seriously and, and take time to let those who matter to you know, actually say the words. I love you. Do you know, when they analyzed the phone calls made on September 11, that incredible privilege of being invited to the White House shortly after that, they were discussing that the Twin Tower thing. When they analyzed the phone calls made that day, sometimes uh, uh, people made phone calls before they jumped from the roof to miss the flames. They listened to messages on answer phone machines. They, they read emails hurriedly sent, and they listened to the messages left from the other doomed planes. The same three words came up time and time mm-hmm. again. Those words did not discuss share strategies or size of house or size of car or share prices. No, no, no. Lovers said them to lovers, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, kids to parents, parents to kids, friends to friends. I love you. Susie, I love you. Susie, this is your dad. I know we haven't got along so well recently, but I want you to know I love you. Because Alan, when it comes down to it, nothing matters like relationships. We need to leave it there because that that is a perfect phrase to end with. Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. Ah, oh, it's been lovely to be with you. Thank you. Your life is an inspiration. Your humility in, uh, in talking through some of those things uh, has really opened us up today. And uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh, we'd love oh. to have you back in six, nine months when you can afford oh, some more time okay. for us. But thank you very no. much, Rob. No, thank you. God bless you, brother. Bye-bye. Thanks, Alan.
That's it for this Ascend Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this content, please share it with a mate. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Together, we are stronger. Stronger.